Hey, this is Coco Columbia. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. This is Bo Bascoro. This is Shay Altered. Hey, this is Andrew. And this is Laura More Rocco Code. This is Josh. And this is Nick. We're Talk Modern. This is Malachi. And this is Ryan. We're Small Million. And you're listening to Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX on PRP. Good evening. This is KSFL LP Portland. Portland Radio Project on PRP.FM and 99.1 FM. I am Luke Neal, and this is Sounds of PDX, the show where I get to take you down the rabbit hole with the artists that we are sharing their music with you. Uh, today on the program, I've got a gentleman with me that's been on the show before, but in a, a different uh, capacity. Justin Gibson, recording artist, is joining me tonight. Congratulations, you've released a brand new single today, man. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's uh, extremely exciting that you're back. Uh, uh, for the listeners who don't know, Justin was in a three-piece band that uh, was one of the first bands I really uh, latched onto here in Portland when I got into the music scene, Pseudo Boss. Definitely one of the best live shows uh, in Portland in a long time. The band dissolved. Uh, they'd taken a hiatus, and then I see Justin appear uh, doing some acoustic shows. You were in the Cornell tribute last year, right? Uh, yeah. In we, the first one? We did a, a show last year at Dante's um, back in, I want to say June, about this about the same time last year, shortly after the passing of Chris Cornell. Um, played a lot of his tunes, you know, solo stuff, Temple of the Dog, Soundgarden, um, and it was a suicide uh, prevention benefit. Right on, yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's uh, applicable again right now, and, and that tribute is coming back up. Uh, we'll talk about that and some other topics. But yeah, the emergence of Justin Gibson around that time last year made me extremely excited. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the changes in your music, obviously your current influences, and then a lot of the tunes that inspired uh, the single. You released it today. It's called The Long Goodbye. We're going to be uh, debuting it at the end of the program today. Before that, we've got a ton of killer influences that Justin brought in. Uh, we'll get to those in a bit, but I want to kick the show off with uh, one of my favorite songs. I want to do a Pseudoboss track. You know this song right. by heart. Uh, this song is actually at the end of your guys' PDX Spotlight episode uh, during the credits, but I have showed that to so many people because of uh, you and Noah just dueling at the end with these solos. It's one of my favorite <laughs> performances, and everyone's just jaw-dropped by the time that episode's done. So uh, any thoughts Thank on you. this song? I love it. That was uh, that was the first track we did when we recorded the Pseudoboss album. Um, it was a leftover track from the previous iteration of Pseudoboss, and we kind of revamped it and... Uh, we decided it was a good track one for that album. Uh, that it is. It's a, it's a wonderful way to introduce you to Pseudo Boss. If you are not familiar, please stick around. I've got Jeff, Justin Gibson until 9 p.m. Hit us up on the talk board on prp.fm. Say hello to myself. Uh, we've got the brand new single, The Long Goodbye, coming up. Until then, this is Pseudo Boss. Stick around. Pseudo-Boss on Portland Radio Project. Uh, my special guest, Justin Gibson, was all over lead guitar on that track. That album uh, is just amazing. It came out in 2016. Early 2016. Early yeah. 2016. Uh, really killer marketing idea, too. You guys had put the record inside a USB uh, with a uh, beer bottle opener. Yeah, we thought, you know, tunes, data storage... <laughs> Bottle opener, very pragmatic uh, promotional tool. <laughs> it's a high-tech uh, Portland uh, aspect. No, it's cool. <laughs> and, and, of course, uh, you guys did a good job of, of 
you know, you're always fan inter, uh, interacting with uh, fans. Social media was great. The videos you made were great. Um, so I, I'm just going to pull the Band-Aid off. What did you go through? Because I want to get our listeners caught up. What did you go through when you found out, okay, Pseudoboss is dissolving. We've got our last couple shows uh, coming up. Share some of your favorite memories looking back at that chapter of your life. Oh, wow. Um, I always really looked forward to just playing at the Doug Fur, um, teaming up with Jason Fellman's uh, crew and JPL Presents. And um, I always looked forward to playing that venue. It was just a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I mean, just the whole experience um, looking back on Pseudo Boss was probably the most fulfilling band setting I've ever been in, in terms of, um, I really liked how varied the music was, you know, stylistically, if you listen to that album, there's, it's all under the rock umbrella, you know, for sure. Sure. But, but it's, it's really interesting. Right. There's some, there's some psych rock stuff on there. There's a, a couple tracks that tend towards metal influences a little more. Um, there's also some Western kind of sounds yeah. on it too. And it, it felt really fun to have that freedom to not really care about adhering to a specific subset of, of rock music. We just kind of did whatever we wanted and, you know, playing live with those guys and the camaraderie with Noah and Charlie looking back was, you know, it was can't replace it. You know? Yeah, for real. Yeah. Your guys's uh, record release at the Wonder Ballroom was mind blowing. That was a highlight for sure. Yeah, um, that was an amazing evening. Yeah, it was. That was. I think you played with Spirit Lake and Ramble on. Yes. Yeah. yeah really we great night. Uh, well, let's turn the the clock back for you, Justin. I want to talk to you about some of your earliest memories with music. Um, was guitar your first instrument? You know, actually, I wanted to be a drummer. Oh, right. <laughs> be a little Charlie, huh? Yeah, I was about nine years old and. Um, I think the first musical instrument I ever picked up was a harmonica, but, um, yeah, that was short lived. Got kind of <laughs> bored with that. Um, I wanted to be a drummer and, uh, it just, it didn't work out. Um, I played drums at school a little bit, but, um, you know, talking with my dad one day, he pulled a, an old acoustic guitar out of the attic and I had no idea that that existed that that was sitting in our attic and um it had been left under tension so the bridge was lifting off of the body so we took it down to our local music shop and got it repaired and um there was a a kid that lived up the street that was a few years older than me he was my sister's age and i kind of looked up to him and he had started taking guitar lessons and um learning a lot of classic rock songs that i was familiar with and so i asked him to teach me some chords ended up taking lessons with the same guy and uh, just kind of took off from there. Actually, uh, that first acoustic guitar, it's a, a brand that I've never seen anywhere since called a Lyle. Um, but it, I actually ended up using it on The Long Goodbye. Oh, really? Yeah. You still got it? I still got oh, it. And it's, it's in the music video. You can see a little shot of the headstock. But um, yeah, I ended up stringing it up in, in Nashville tuning because I don't have a 12 string. So, oh, um, cool. I used my Martin on the song, uh, my D 28, just standard tuning to, and, and we double track that. And then we put the Lyle right down the middle with a, a Nashville tuning and kind of brighten up that, that rhythm track a little bit. 
Yeah, great production call. It's such a, a, a thick, lush song. I can't wait for our listeners to hear it. We'll also share the link uh, to the video on that as well. Um, awesome. We're going to get uh, back to the playlist. Another one of your influences. When we come back from these couple songs, we're going to talk to you about some of the artists you were listening to while you were growing up and first, uh, you know, cutting your teeth on the guitar. Uh, I also want to ask you some guitar related questions that I think every beginning struggling guitarist can relate to. Uh, but next on the playlist, we've got Life Wasted by Pearl Jam off of the 2005 release Avocado Record. Great song, killer video. Why did this make our playlist? Uh, I just like the attitude of this song. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a return to form for Pearl Jam on that album. And uh, you know, what else can you say? It's just a great track. Yeah, I agree. This is uh, a record that came out, and, and I remember hearing interviews with Mike McCready and people giving him the response that it reminded them of the Vitology era. I was immediately uh, anticipating something great, and they delivered. This is the lead single off the 2005 release from Pearl Jam, Life Wasted. Stick around. This is an influence from Justin Gibson. He'll be hanging out with me until 9 p.m. Tom Petty here on Portland Radio Project. That is an influence of Justin Gibson. He's in studio with me tonight. We're celebrating the release of his brand new single. And we were saying during that music break that that was kind of the perfect selection for you. Sonically, that Tom Petty track fits really well with what you're doing now. Yeah, uh, I, I was listening to a lot of Tom Petty when I wrote The Long Goodbye. And um, he's always been a huge influence on me. Actually, the first concert I ever attended uh, when I was eight years old at the it was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers at the Gorge. Parents uh, took me and my sister there as a birthday present. Uh, How do you top that? Because the view at the Gorge alone. It was an amazing evening. God, we man. were walking around. My parents said that, you know, looking back, they felt terrible. Cause my sister and I were like, what's that smell? Because everybody's just like <laughs> lighting up. And uh, yeah. But, you know, the whole experience. To, to at least see it that, was open air. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Tom Petty's been a huge influence on me. Um Ever since I was a kid, um, earliest memories of listening to music included Tom Petty. Um, I was huge into Aerosmith when I was really young. So let's talk Aerosmith real quick. Sure. Are we talking Toys in the Attic Aerosmith or like big ones? I mean, they're all good, but what do you prefer? We're talking pretty much all of it. I was pretty much obsessed. Uh, Yeah. Classic stuff. You know, Sweet Emotion, Toys in the Attic, um, but also the... You know, the revived Aerosmith, the, the clean Aerosmith um, <laughs> yeah. from, from like permanent vacation onward. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think my parents went and saw them on the Get a Grip tour and I was six and I couldn't go. And I was really upset about that. That would time. be a rough one for a six year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't understand it at the time, though. <laughs> I even like their late 90s release that Glenn Ballard produced Nine Lives. Oh, I love that. That's album. a great record. That was actually the tour where I got to see him for the first time. Oh, for real. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. They had an amazing stage setup. for, it was like customized. There was stuff for Portland only. You know, oh, on that's stage rad. Setup. And yeah. That was, is really cool. Um, they would have been a yeah, great live show. At, uh, who else like guitar driven? Because of course I know you as a shredder. Who were some of those early guitars you looked to? Well, definitely Jimmy Page, um, you know, playing along with Led Zeppelin albums. My dad gifted me his his discography on vinyl that he had growing up and it's like one of my most prized possessions but and i'd spend a lot of time with my guitar once i first started taking lessons and 
kind of figured out through spinning those records and trying to play along with them that I could play by ear and pick up the riff on Heartbreaker, you know, whatever. Um, so Zeppelin was definitely huge. Um, into my teen years, I got into metal a little more. So uh, listening to bands like old old Metallica albums up through like the Black Album and then um, Megadeth and, uh, you know, Kirk Hammett, Marty Friedman. I know a lot of guitar you know snobs will not even put those two guys in the same room but i really like kirk hammett oh yeah he's amazing uh you know you bring up a good point too i think at an early age you hear some of that metal stuff and it's exciting i i did the same thing i went i went from you know kind of the 80s metal and classic rock into the heavier stuff so let me ask you along those lines when you're moving from listening to a lot of zeppelin and page going into the metal thing did you know at first when you were playing along with page that you were kind of living in a in a delta blues realm did you know you were listening to the pentatonic scale i did just because i was also learning it in my guitar lessons and um it's like oh well a lot of these classic rock songs are just shredding on a pentatonic scale yeah you know if you you can do it really fast, then you're Zach Wild. <laughs> yeah. So who would you say is the guitarist that had you pivot towards the metal uh, lead playing? Probably Kirk Hammett. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I got hooked on um, probably about the age of 15. I was really into Master Puppets. But, you know, I mean, I went through a lot of the a lot of those phases. I was really into Hendrix at one point. I mm. studied him. And um, especially his rhythm playing, you know, he's he's known really well for his his lead playing and setting his guitar on fire on stage. But <laughs> when I go back and listen to him now, I, I just I'm in awe of his rhythm playing. He can do so much. He's just so expressive. It's not bending notes. It's just like those those signature pull off and hammer on licks that he did. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of like I always felt when he did that stuff, he was pl- he was almost like a funk influence with his right hand, but still playing those blues techniques. Or I'm sorry, with his left, his picking hand, still fretting with the blues techniques, oh, right. which, you know, <laughs> may, yeah, I had to swap around. <laughs> Another great guitarist and one that has like some of the best recorded tones in the world these days, uh, Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters. They're next on the playlist. And you gave us uh, The NeverEnding Sigh. It's a really great song. Uh, they have so many to pick from. We were gushing over Dave Grohl uh, before the show started tonight. Uh, why this song and uh, why particularly like the, the vibe of this track? I think it's the vibe of the song I want to write next. Uh, ah, I see. I want to get more into... I mean, once we hear the song tonight, everybody will understand that I wrote a ballad, but I don't really want to be... Um, constrained by writing acoustic songs only, you know, I, I just like with pseudo boss, I want the freedom to kind of explore. And, um, I really like the, the edge and the attitude of this, this song. And I think that, uh, whatever I put out next will probably be closer to something a little more up tempo and, and heavy. So nice. A taste of things to come. Uh, wonderful band. We love the Foo Fighters here at PRP. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, if you are streaming us on your mobile device or on PRP.FN, say hello on the talk board. Say hello to myself or Justin Gibson. He's my special guest tonight. We're listening to his influences. Stick around. Near the end of the show, we have his brand new single, The Long Goodbye. dot fm 
That is Jen M. Thank you so much, Jen, for reminding our listeners. We are a community radio station where we play a local artist every 15 minutes. Uh, I didn't know until I moved here to Portland that Floater was one of those. We just heard them on the playlist. Uh, an apology. They just released a record that isn't off of uh, their latest release, but you said you just saw those guys. Yeah, about a month ago, I saw the album release. They just dropped at the Wonder Ballroom, and it was awesome show. They played the album cover to cover. It was cool to... I mean, we saw that before the official release date, so it was kind of special getting a chance to listen to the, the album live. And then they came out and did a bunch of their well-known stuff around the encores, and room just went nuts. Yeah, it, it really just speaks to... Um, they have a sound, and you can... If you have a sharp music ear, you can kind of pinpoint a time and place that they would have emerged from. However, they're one of those bands that has written stuff that sounds timeless as opposed to some other bands who were doing some really cliche things at the time. Why do you think it is that Floater uh, and bands like Floater have lasting power? For whatever reason, it just seems like they can create a sense of community around their band. Um, the first time I saw them, I got pried away from studying when I was a student down at Oregon State. My buddy Johnny took us down to Eugene to see them at the Wow Hall. And that's that's actually their home base. They originally were a Eugene band. And so playing at uh, the Wow Hall is a, is a big deal. And um, we saw them play an acoustic set. And it was actually the, the recording of their acoustic live at the Wow Hall album. Oh, that is so the first cool. time I ever saw them, they were recording a live album. <laughs> and um, I don't know what it is. I think part of it is, I think Rob's lyrics are just really unique and poetic and they speak to people. Um, I really love his writing and uh, it just seems like there's that connection there. But I mean, they can go to any pocket of the western united states and they'll have a bunch of people show up and yeah. it's just i don't know what it is about that band it's just amazing well part of it too i think and this actually goes for everybody on our playlist tonight they're a great live band you know i think that's always been the test for me i was as a music lover i understood at an early age there's two very different live things there's a performance and then there's like a, a band thing. I get if a pop artist has a stage, you know, choreography and all that stuff. If that's your thing and you want to go perform that, that's great. But the true test is when you see a band live and can they duplicate what they were doing on the record that you love so much. I put off seeing Radiohead for years because I was afraid they wouldn't live up. They definitely did. Oh, yeah. But it, I think it's that live thing. Uh, you said you, you saw um, you know, some bands at an early age. Uh, what do you think is one of the lasting live performances as a kid that maybe struck you in a way thinking, i I got to do this. <laughs> I've got to have this in my life. Oh, man. It's hard to pick just one, but I would probably go with, you know, I saw the Jimmy Page and Robert Plant put out an album in like 97, I want to say. And I, I saw them perform at uh, what what was and what I still refer to as the Rose Garden. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went with my dad and yeah, that that was amazing just to see all those you know, Jimmy Page playing his guitar with a violin bow, all this stuff that I'd only read about and listened to on the records and just seeing all that live just kind of cemented it for me. I had that, um, my brother Evan and I listened to that record. Uh, if I remember correctly, it had a ton of uh, like Middle Eastern instrumentation influence, a lot of 
uh, string type stuff. Yes. And then they have a couple Zeppelin covers in there that they had rearranged strings for. I think there was some. Uh, I can't recall. It's been. I can't forever. recall if that was the No Quarter album that they did that on. I th- want to say all the stuff. Uh, this was that that album was called Walking into Clarksdale. I am thinking of No Quarter. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the vibe when we saw him on that tour was a lot of that. It seems like they took everything in kind of a cashmere direction on that <laughs> album, you know? uh, and which was awesome. Uh, don't get me wrong, but yeah, they definitely played some. Uh, some rearranged Zeppelin tunes for sure. That's rad. Yeah. Well, talking about some of those legacy bands, uh, you know, obviously Robert Plant, Jimmy Page have kept their fan base long after Led Zeppelin. Bands evolve. They go through iterations. Uh, one that we were talking about earlier off the air is Allison Chains. They're next up on the playlist. Uh, this was a, a track off of the record that they released, not their latest, uh, but they hadn't released music in a long time. They got the new, the new lead singer. This is Check My mm-hmm. Brain. Um, share some of the thoughts that we were uh, going back and forth with on Alice in Chains and kind of how they've stayed in the game. And, and uh, you know, it's tough to get a new lead singer to complement an old sound, but they pulled it off. Absolutely. Yeah. I just think it's cool when a band can come back out, resonate the old feeling without feeling like it's forced. And they've done a really good job of that. There's, there's a lot that didn't. But uh, other than the PRP 20-year uh, format guideline, why did you pick this song for Alice in Chains? I, I like the the attitude behind the song. If you read some interviews with Jerry Cantrell, it's basically him talking about how he moved from Seattle to L.A. and, you know, being a recovering addict, you know, that's kind of like going into the belly of the beast. And mm. um, the sentiment of the song is like, you know, California's okay yeah like this is this is fine and uh just that that attitude of kind of like stepping into the some sort of adversity and knowing that you're going to be okay it's it's um uh, kind of what i feel like i'm doing you know stepping yeah. out on my own and, and yeah. doing this this music thing um outside of a band and so it was more a pick for the the attitude more than anything but you know yeah. a lot of good memories of this song rolling down uh king's boulevard in corvallis when i was in college <laughs> and, uh, we me and my college buddies the metal band i was in in college we just love this album it's really great i when i first heard this song in particular i was like oh they got that growl back jerry cantrell's guitar tone is on point a uh, really great selection justin justin gibson's releasing new music today uh the long goodbye we're going to play the single at the end of the show i'm going to be sharing the link with the music video we're going to talk about where you recorded it players on the record of course, your inspiration for the song and much more. Stick around. This is Sounds of PDX on Portland Radio Project. Empty Temples by The Sword. That's an influence of Justin Gibson. He's been hanging out with me tonight. We're debuting new music for him. And you said you just saw the, uh, those guys at the Wonder Ballroom. Last night. Yeah. It was, a, it was an awesome show. It was very, uh, very stompy. There was a mosh pit at a couple points, which I wasn't <laughs> expecting. But uh, yeah, uh, I love that band. And, uh, you know, they just got a lot of crunchy, heavy riffs. And that's definitely in my DNA. You were just saying off the air that you zeroed in on their drummer. Yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier in the show about how I wanted to be a drummer when, before I was a guitarist, and that, that still hasn't really changed. Uh, I actually have a, a friend's kit in my basement right now that I'm playing and trying to get better at, 
but you know, it's a, it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. As I say, I'm not, I'm not court enough innated to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got a, a plethora of different types of influence, uh, under the, the rock umbrella that we're listening to, uh, for you tonight. You know, we've gone through Pearl Jam, Tom Petty, Foo Fighters, Alice in Chains. We just heard the sword. Got some others coming up like the, uh, Chili Peppers. Uh, I've got a couple locals on this as well. I was really glad to see that you had the darkness on here as well, because I want to talk about the music business and the current state of the business. I think the darkness that we'll be playing later on is a great example of a band that can kind of do whatever they want. And they, they're, you know, uh, the first single came out just as major labels were about to, to crash. And when they came out, I think at 04, 05, or even earlier than that, I was like, I can't believe these guys are doing pure 80s metal. But now we have access to so much music on, on these uh, streaming devices, downloadable platforms. Uh, what's your thought on, on rock and roll bands and their approach to re- releasing music in this day and age of Anything Goes? Oh, I, th- I think that's it. Anything goes. I mean, I think the name of the game is to just try to get it out wherever you can. And uh, it's a it's a learning process for me, honestly, because uh, I've never been the guy that tackles that in, in the fans <laughs> that I've been in. So um, it's, you know, if you have any suggestions on uh, how to tackle it, I'm all ears. But um, I, I think that it's it's a branding thing at this point more than anything. I think that um, you got to make money off of merch and and touring. And if people want to buy your vinyl, that's great too. Um, But I think that it's important first to just get the music in their ears. However you can. I think fans latch onto music for different reasons, whether it's the song they like themselves or it's a member of the band that they gravitate towards. There's a lot of reasons to, um, to lean into bands. The next song on the playlist is a band that I fell in love with, of course, their music, but the lyrics are so important to me. Again, we were saying before we went on the air tonight, it doesn't matter what the genre is. If they're saying something that's uh, evocative, that's meaningful, and of course that I can relate to, I'm in. Uh, the next band on the playlist is Incubus, and I think Brandon Boyd is by far one of the best lyricists of the last 20 years. You pl- you picked a song off of uh, Morning View. Love that album, their O2 release, or their O1 release, rather. Uh, nice to Know You, great heavy track, probably one of the heaviest on the record. Um, but I want to talk to you about Brandon's lyrics, and um, that's why I love the band. Uh, did you notice that as a fan growing up listening to them, that that kind of stood out? Honestly, I didn't. It wasn't until... You know, I always paid some attention to lyrics, but it really wasn't until probably end of high school kind of age for me that I really tried to sit down with the sheets of words and read through (laughs) them and try to figure out, okay, what are they actually trying to say here? Sure. Which I think is so critical to songwriting now that I've been doing it for a little while. But uh, yeah, I mean, for the longest time for me, it was more about just just the, the attitude and especially, you know zeroing in on what the guitars were doing i think i was yeah. as a guitarist it's it's easy to go off on a tangent and you know oh, bright lights you know get <laughs> distracted by something sure. but uh 
you know, going back and looking through Incubus's catalog now, I definitely have a newfound appreciation for Brandon Boyd, for sure. Yeah, his solo uh, work is really great, too. He's published a bunch of poetry books, a book on quantum physics theories. Like, he's a really... Renaissance man. Well, Renaissance I didn't know man. that. Yeah. I didn't know the book thing. He's a brilliant human being. Uh, I love this band, too. Uh, it's really funny that this song was on the playlist because uh, last month... Kaya Peltier of Kaya on the Mountain was telling me that she'd never heard Incubus. So my wife and I got together and made her a playlist. <laughs> yeah. And the next time she was over, we're like, we sat her down, went through through the list, uh, and she was an immediate fan. I love this band. Again, they're, the lyric IQ is extremely high. I want to talk to you about uh, the way you gather and write lyrics coming up. And, of course, we got the radio debut of The Long Goodbye by Justin Gibson. I'm your host, Luke Neal. This is Sounds of PDX. Stick around. We've got much more coming up. Spanish Radio by Biffy Clyro. Still one of the best live performances I have seen here in Portland. They were here last year at the Wonder Ballroom. This is Sounds of PDX. I'm your host, Luke Neal. I've been hanging out with Justin Gibson, listening to his influences. Uh, that was one I put on the playlist. Uh, you know, I saw the the stuff that you sent over, a lot of which made sense to me, influence-wise. Cool. Um, you you put some room on there, so I got a couple other local bands. I wanted to share them with you, because you you've got... Um, you know, kind of an anthemic thing and a lot of the rock that you listen to um, that leans back to what we were just talking about before is the, the live thing. I'd like to shift to the perspective from the performer. You've touched on a little bit tonight of moving from, you know, the, the guitarist who will uh, sing killer harmonies and, you know, stomp on your pedals and express yourself that way to now, you know, it's it's your message. They're your words. And it's literally your name on the project. How do you get yourself prepared for that mentally uh, to make that transition? You take a long time to do it. <laughs> That's what I did in this case. Um, yeah. Actually, I wrote this song and it was pretty much done um, at the end of last summer. Uh, you know, the instrumentation and the, the song form were pretty much set at that point. Uh for me, it's always writing lyrics last and really trying to figure out the message that I want to portray and, and evoke with the words. And, you know, for me, it's, I like to try to find a rhyme scheme, but then that's hard to adhere to at times. And so it, it's a time consuming process for me because I want to make sure that the, the lines follow the rhythm of the song and that it flows and that I'm not saying anything that's too cheesy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh man, writing lyrics is tough. It's it's my least favorite part of it, and that's why it always comes last. And it usually takes a long time for me to finally wrap up a song because there's always a couple spots. There's like two or three spots where it's, I don't have the line for that yet, and I don't know what I want to say. Um, so and then and then you'll just be walking down the street one day or driving somewhere, and it'll come to you. And I write it down, and that was that was part of the the road to get here for this song for sure so as you know as an artist and and especially as a songwriter now uh those ideas are sometimes fleeting so how do you collect your ideas are you a, a notes on your iphone type of guy there's a lot of um there's a lot of videos on my cell phone that i'll never share with anybody <laughs> that are me kind of like you know a line comes yes. to me and i will sing it in my car you know just pick up my phone and press record and get the idea down and then i'll come back to it later and that's cool yeah it's a lot of that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> so what type of stuff is is coming to you i don't want to spoil uh the long goodbye for anyone if they haven't heard it 
but it's a mid-tempo, classic rock-inspired, uh, almost a, a acoustic foundation-based track. But again, I knew you as the shredder. Uh, I've known your influences before. Um, so alongside that, what else can listeners expect to, to hear from you in music that's going to be coming out? I'll probably go a little heavier with the next release. Um, I really am drawing a lot of inspiration from um, Foo Fighters lately. And mm. I've been on a Queens of the Stone Age kick listening to that kind of... I don't know. It, it, it's move, it kind of slides around, you know, that's the only way I can describe their music. It, it's, uh, it's kind of dirty down in the, down in the mud, you know? Yeah. 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 It sounds like, uh, first time I heard Queens, I was like, oh, this is like motorcycle music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like street friendly motorcycle music, I guess. But you know, I, I tend to kind of go towards ballads. So that's, it's one thing that I've, I've been good at, I feel like I've been better at writing over the years. Um, you know, I, I was in a metal band in college and, um, uh, that kind of gave me an outlet to write a lot of the riff rock stuff. But at one point, and you know, I may release this stuff at, at another point in time, but I did a, an EP in 2009 actually that was kind of a DIY recording project and I used it as my thesis for, um, graduating from Oregon wow. state for some of my requirements down there. That's great, man. Um, I'd like to maybe revisit some of that because we did electronic drums and I don't necessarily feel that some of that, the, the aspects of that have aged well, you know, when I listen to it 10 years later, but, yeah. um, I think that the songs are good. So I might, I might do something with that at some point, but it's, you know, if it's a snapshot of me at 21, still trying to shred and play a bunch of really fast harmonies and, and stuff so it's it's a different thing that's cool man yeah i hope those uh, see the light of day sometime <laughs> uh you just mentioned about kind of leaning toward ballads a lot of fans of this next band on the playlist didn't know that their front man also leaned towards ballads uh until blood sugar sex magic came out and uh, Under the Bridge was like a breakthrough. It was a whole new corner of uh, the Chili Peppers that nobody had seen. Uh, fast forward a few years, they released Stadium Arcadium in 05. It was a dual record. Rick Rubin produced, and they put it out in one year, and they're two perfect uh, discs. They're really great. Uh, you selected Wet Sand off of this uh, collection. It's probably my favorite work from the Chili Peppers. Um, why did this one stick out to you? Um, I think it kind of has that that melancholy vibe that kind of matches the the general mood of the song I'm putting out. I, the, it, was, it was something that I looked to for influence um, for sure, and I got to agree with you. I mean that that album's a masterpiece, but this this song in particular stands out. Um, you know, just a lot of why I picked it too is listening to the Chili Peppers is kind of where I I feel like I honed studying in on how to do background vocals like listening to john for do that he's just masterful yeah and um you know those feature pretty heavily on on my track as far as the amount of vocal overdubbing we did was just insane so <laughs> a lot of work went into that and i definitely drew influence from songs like these from that that chili peppers album when i was channeling that well, you nailed it. That new single, uh, The Long Goodbye, is fantastic. We're going to be playing it at the end of this hour. Uh, coming up, we've got shows by Vortex Music Magazine. Of course, the new single from Justin Gibson, some more of his influences, and a couple local tracks. Back to the playlist here. We just talked about them. This is the Chili Peppers with Wet Sand. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, rest in peace, Chris Cornell. We love you to death. That is Soundgarden, A Thousand Days Before, off of one of their, uh, I think that was Soundgarden's last full-length LP. Exactly. Yeah, King Animal. What a great album. Yeah, it's. Uh, they came back with a vengeance. You and I were just talking about the signature sound of Matt Cameron and another one of those bands that just is perfect live. They they always got the crowd uh, engaged. I've seen Matt, you know, with Pearl Jam play and just... That band is just so special, and, and the fact that we don't have Cornell on the planet anymore is still mind-boggling to me. Uh, but you're involved in something great. You're, uh, you're, you're giving a tip of the cap to his memory and his art. Let's talk about the Cornell tribute that's coming up at the end of the month here. Yeah, I was involved in this last year and um, actually got asked to join up doing this by Rich Ray from Ramble On. Um, and... We're following the same format as last year. It's a it's a show honoring Chris Cornell um, with all the proceeds going for going to Lines for Life, which is a suicide prevention organization here in town. And um, the format that we're going to follow is we have a full band set that's doing a handful of classic Cornell rock songs. So some stuff off the Temple of the Dog album, some various Soundgarden stuff, and. Uh, Maybe some audio slave this year. I think we're still working it out. Uh, But then in the middle of the set, we're going to have a lot of solo performers come up and do renditions of all kinds of stuff, uh, whether that's solo Cornell or, you know, more Soundgarden stuff or whatever it may be. Um, You know, songs like Seasons will probably get showcased. So it was it was a lot of fun last year. And um, we've been doing the rehearsals at my my place and uh, we're getting geared up to do that again. And it'll be good time so again that's friday uh june 22nd at dante's again it's really cool that they're hosting you again uh kind of a great spot to to tip the cap to cornell um euphoria morning that first solo record he put out was really special to me because at the time i had just been turned on to 11 uh the the band from la who's basically his backing band on that also the same musicians on uh sun shower for me i think cornell's um deep breath of euphoria morning after the wave that was Soundgarden was such a refreshing approach um, to me as a songwriter. And I re- I remember recalling like, I got to see this live. And we ended up, it was my wife's first concert. Uh, we got to see Chris Cornell solo and it was mind blowing. And that the record transcended what I thought he was as a songwriter. You know, he went into this realm that opened new doors for me. And I'm like, okay, this is a new alt indie kind of vibe. Matter of fact, I remember my mom uh, when the can't change me video came out, you know, she's like, this is actually kind of cool. Like, and we, you know, I, we, as I played it throughout the years, that was one she recognized, but I, I just think artists like that are just good songwriters. Um, you know, he's done stuff from early Soundgarden all the way to his solo stuff, like the, the songbook tour. And of course, Soundgarden. Um, let me ask you, how many different iterations of his career, uh, did you see him live in? Were you able to see Soundgarden? You know, they broke up in 96 and I was pretty young at that age. Uh, one of the first albums I bought with my own money as a kid was the Down on the Upside LP. And I was really into them. Um, but that's unfortunately kind of when it fizzled out. And yeah. it was one of those things that, um, you know, I never ended up seeing a solo Cornell, never ended up seeing Audio Slave. The one time I did see him was for the King Animal Tour. And that was at the Schnitzer, which, uh, 
was an interesting setting to see Soundgarden uh, yeah. with the, the ushers telling us to sit down and you know it's just like That's this wild. is a rock show people come on um but you know one thing that was really inspiring for me about Cornell is he he can pretty much do it all right I mean the Soundgarden stuff has that that kind of metal edge to it, especially early Soundgarden. But then, you know, as you mentioned, he releases an album like Euphoria Morning, which is a lot of ballads and a lot more radio friendly kind of stuff. Alternate tunings. Yeah. Yeah. Really killer. And it just kind of goes to show that, you know, music's music. You don't have to be put into a box. And, uh, you know, if I want to put out a ballad, then I'm going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Touche, my friend. Well said. Uh, And that's exactly what you did. We're going to be showcasing that a little bit later. Um, I've got a a song from another local band coming up, uh, 40 Feet Tall. They're going to be on the program Thursday afternoon. They've got a drop-in session right after my listening party. They've got some cool information. But before I play that single, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Vortex. We've got our uh, shows of the week. So sit tight. I've got a couple of those for you coming up do here because we are your community radio station if you want to support us go to prp.fm click the support button and become a reoccurring member uh so you can hear great artists like like justin gibson he's been hanging out with me uh all night (laughs) tonight that's right uh dude i'm really excited to play the new single for everybody uh let's get in kind of to the nitty-gritty of of your creation process because we're in the last half hour of the program um Take me to the beginning of, of when this single was written and what's the seed of inspiration uh, behind both the music and you said later lyrics. So uh, what does this song mean to you right now? Um, you know, it's kind of a long story, but, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the program, I was listening to a lot of Tom Petty. And I, I felt kind of inspired to write some sort of strummy um, accessible acoustic kind of song and um you know, the inspiration was kind of like the fallout of a relationship. And after Pseudoboss dissolved, I didn't spend a whole lot of time that summer playing music. Um, I spent a lot of time kayaking. <laughs> and You uh, traveled too, right? Didn't you? For work. I think you went abroad for a while. That was, well, that was a little earlier on. That was, okay. that was around the time of the Pseudoboss release. But oh. um, <laughs> The majority of the song, I would say, was probably written in my head uh, on car trips up to Mount Hood and out in the middle of various lakes across the state last summer. Wow. And, uh, you know, what I wanted to say with it lyrically, I didn't really firm up until probably the end of the year. Um, But, you know, when fall rolled around, I decided, you know, I want to do something musical. I'm not playing in any bands right now, but I have this song. And, um, so I kind of teamed up with Charlie at that point and we worked on a demo in his bedroom and, uh, on the demo, I, I played everything. He has a, a role into electronic kit. So I even did the drums on that. Oh, right. On yeah. That. That's and, cool. uh, it, it kind of evolved from there. Um, Charlie was fun to work with cause he, he kind of kept me on task cause I can get lost in the details of, you know, did I play that take right? And he would kind of be like, well, what's, what are you trying to convey with this song? Like, what's the emotion? And he kind mm. of always brought me back to that. And, um, once we had a completed demo, I just thought, you know, this sounds pretty good. Maybe I should go record it in a studio. And it just, it's just kind of snowballed since, since then. And, um, you know, as far as selecting a studio, it was kind of, we got, we got all the guys back together that helped us out on the pseudo boss stuff. So I worked with Ian Watts again and he engineered and, and ended up producing it too i mean 
it's kind of a weird set. Why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird in that I guess there's three producers on the song, but um, yeah. uh, you know, I kind of had all hands on deck and um, I ended up playing all pretty much all the instrumentation except for I, I didn't want to try to try my hand at drums for the actual studio time. You know, we didn't want to waste any money on that. So I enlisted the services of Mike Collins and, uh, he was a consummate professional, just amazing guy to work with. He just yeah. came in and gave it a few listens. And I think we did three takes and, uh, by the third take, it's like, yeah, let's, let's punch in some parts, you know, or I want something a little more specific, but I mean, the whole process was, it was just amazing working with him and uh just kind of bouncing ideas back and forth we were on the same page about everything for the drum track and uh with the video that i released today what you're seeing there is basically um a 10-hour recording session on the first day um i recorded this over four sessions but we only really did a full day the first day oh so, that's cool yeah once we had the drum track down he put down the tambourine um I did some acoustic guitars and bass and there's a Gretsch with a Bigsby uh, for all the guitar nerds out there, but kind of got that, that Western vibe, you know, rolling throughout the whole song. And um, yeah, you released that uh, video teaser a little bit before the song came out. <laughs> that was really nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, a nice tremolo tone on that thing and um, got most of the lead stuff done that night too. And so what you see there is, is a lot of the the early part of it um i did a vocal track but most of the vocal takes from that day were just garbage so uh, <laughs> that's why they call them scratch <laughs> yes scratch vocals no good <laughs> well i want to pick your brain about uh you know having somebody step in and and sh basically shape and mold from a production standpoint something that you've created rather than you know leaning your services as a guitarist to a song that someone else made uh before we do that though let's play an epic track from the darkness um this is one that I hadn't heard. I, you know, I know the band. I'm a fan of the band. Uh, but this is a killer song. It's called Love on the Rocks with No Ice. Uh, talk to me about what this song means to you. Just just guitar Olympics on this song, you know. Um, Perfect. It's a deep cut darkness <laughs> song off the first album. Uh, I saw them at the Roseland about five years ago, and they, they just went balls out on this one if i'm allowed to say that on the yeah radio. you are <laughs> we can say balls out uh and that's applicable the darkness does just that uh this is love on the rocks with no ice stick around i've got justin gibson until 9 p.m Yeah, that's the Strokes here on Portland Radio Project. I'm your host, Luke Neal. If you've been enjoying Sounds of PDX, where I go in-depth with the artist, uh, play their music and influences, Justin Gibson has been my guest tonight. I want to thank everyone that's been hanging out with us uh, tonight. I hope you're enjoying the show. Um, we've got just a couple more songs to play before we... Uh, this is the radio debut of The Long Goodbye, is that right? That is correct. The official radio debut. We appreciate that here at uh, PRP. Um, before that last music break... Uh, which included the darkness and the strokes. Uh, we were talking a little bit about the mindset of music production. If, if someone's never written a song, it's hard to explain. You know, songwriters like, oh, that song is my baby. And then actual parents who have human babies may disagree. <laughs> but it does become special to you. So how was it, you know, taking the long goodbye into the studio and letting some other people uh, tinker with it? We didn't tinker too much, you know, uh, if I can be honest for a minute. I, I felt like I had a pretty strong vision of what I wanted. Um, 
but you know, there were some, some suggestions for a lot of additions to the track. Uh, we didn't really make any drastic changes to the song form. Um, you know, there was that constant reminder from Charlie to, you know, what are you trying to convey emotionally, (laughs) man? And so, uh, that was cool to, to have, you know, be kept on task like that. But, um, you know, working with Ian Watts again, uh, as we did with pseudo boss, he's awesome. You know, being, being a guitarist himself, there were a lot of things that I didn't immediately see, uh, space for as far as guitar parts. And we, we really went nuts. I think I ended up playing seven different guitars on this song. Oh, that is so awesome. <laughs> um, and you know, we were, we were very particular about the sound we wanted. Um, and you know, on, on that note too, is vocally I had, I had the assistance of Mr. Noah Straup stopping by the studio at one point and kind of sitting in the control room and saying, I think you should do a harmony here. And I think you should put a harmony here. And, you know, before, before I knew it, it was kind of sounding a little Eagles (laughs) and uh, that's okay. I love their vocal harmonies. Yeah. And Noah's got such a great ear and voice, you know, to, to answer your question, um, I think it's, I think there's a lot of value in taking any song you have and, and letting, an outsider listen to it and offer suggestions. I mean, that was certainly, um, a part of the, the early process with Charlie and I, um, it just, it was just one of those songs that, that felt like it, it kind of came together really organically and there wasn't really a lot of changes to the, the song form. Um, one suggestion that Mike made, uh, that we ended up using was the, the bridge of the song goes to cut time and kind of, you know, doubles up on the snare beat. And, um, which was an idea I had, I actually had had in my head, like, should we do that or should we not do it? And to hear Mike say we should do it was kind of what put me over the edge on doing it. Nice so, confirmation. Yeah. Just those little kinds of stylistic things, you know, you, you gotta especially be open to those. So yeah, let's give a shout out to everyone involved. Um, this was tracked at, uh, Dan on Thelma studio. Uh, cause you said Ian, the magic closet is no more, correct? That's correct. Yeah. He's building his own studio down south and I want to say Staten. I think that's where he's at. So that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the team back together there at the studio. Uh, there was also a, a video shot by uh, Todd G. Uh, and that was the 10 hour day you were saying. Yeah. That's so cool. Todd's doing great work with um, a media company. They're getting off the ground called 336 Collective. And um, awesome video editing work. Uh, they did some photography for me to promote the release and I, it was a pleasure working with all of them. Yeah. The, uh, the PRP Facebook ad highlighted, uh, one of those shots from the, the photo shoot. Yeah. That was Michelle Pomerantz. She was a really great photographer. It was fun working with her. That's awesome, man. I, uh, you know, we've got one more of your influences before we play the song, but I, I wanted to ask you, what, what do you think if you had a listener, uh, you know, listen to the song and get you some feedback. What do you think you would hope somebody takes away from the track? I hope that people can relate to it because I tried to write a song that is about a, a situation that I think everybody is in at one point in their in their lives. So I would hope the takeaway is that they can relate to it because that's that's why I love listening to music is to to relate to whatever the the artist was experiencing and, and kind of looking at life through that lens. Yeah. It's easy to latch on to, man. It's a really great song. Uh, I got an early listen in preparation for the show and just immediately, yeah, it was a departure from what I knew you as, but it was super genuine. It, it feels 
like Justin Gibson. It just makes sense altogether. I'm really excited to debut it for everybody. Before we do that, we've got one last influence from you. Uh, epic song from the new Queens of the Stone Age record, uh, Feet Don't Fail Me Now. Lots of great picks on this album. Uh, why is this one standing out to you? I, I just love how it how it starts that album off. It kind of takes you in this intro direction, and then it just kind of takes you in a completely different direction. And uh, I don't know, man. There's just something about that 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 rhythm and that guitar groove once the song kicks off that... I haven't stopped listening to it since last August when <laughs> yeah. it came out. <laughs> I was going to say, it's still on everybody's uh, turntable. The the sonic quality of the guitars, I've always been a sucker for, for Queens, and they just knocked it out of the park again with this record. Last influence of the night from Justin Gibson. Stick around. We've got his debut single, The Long Goodbye, up next on Portland Radio Project. Queens of the Stone Age here on Portland Radio Project. That's the last influence from my special guest tonight, Justin Gibson. We've been hanging out and talking about the uh, new single that is officially released today. Uh, I'll officially say congratulations, man. It's a killer song, a great promo leading up to it, stellar video. Um, I want you to be able to take this opportunity to give a shout out to anyone that was involved in uh, making this thing a reality for you. Sure. Uh, you know, I think I owe thanks again to Charlie McGowan and Ian Watts for helping me produce this and engineer it and take it from a demo to, uh, the studio version that we hear and see in the video. Um, my pseudo boss bandmate Noah Straup for listening and providing feedback and kind of coaching me through some of the vocal stuff in the studio. Um, Todd G, Michelle Pomerantz and, uh, Katrina at, 336 Collective for their um, video work and the photography. And, you know, I also showed this to a variety of my Portland musician friends when it was in the demo phase and got some feedback and uh, helped me pare it down. You know, the original demo was like seven and a half minutes long. <laughs> I still think it's a tad long personally, but um, I write long songs and learning. So, um, Anybody that gave it a listen and, and provided me some feedback, they know who they are. And, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me. And it's been, dude. it's been great hanging out and uh, catching up and talking music with you. For sure, yeah. It's, I'm so glad you reached out a bit ago when we scheduled this. It's been good to catch up with you and, of course, enjoy your tunes. Uh, you can see Justin live. Uh, just a reminder, at the Chris Cornell Tribute, Dante's. Uh, that's happening Friday, June 22nd. Um, he's going to be performing with a lot of great artists in town. Uh, I'll put more information out the week of uh, that show. But, uh, yeah, uh, any any last thoughts you'd like to add to the debut of your uh, of your debut single? Uh, not really. It's uh, I think it's just time to listen. It's been a it's been a long road and it's been a fun day putting this video out. And, and uh, it's been very rewarding. So I'm, I'm glad to uh, set this free. Well, congratulations, man. Uh, good work once again. I love this song. I know it's been well-received. Uh, we will be sharing the link to uh, Justin's Bandcamp and also the video on the talk board a little bit later this evening. Uh, thanks again for everyone who has joined me tonight. It has been a pleasure hanging out with Justin Gibson. Until next time, I've been your host, Luke Neal, reminding you to support and discover local music. Here it is. This is The Long Goodbye by Justin Gibson on Portland Radio Project. Portland Radio Project. And a local spin.
That was new music on Portland Radio Project. Let us know about your new favorites at prp.fm.